Hi, my name is Nina Bosky, and I'm the host of a special investigation series of Maryland Behind the Icon during the 60th anniversary of the star's death, where we'll look into the mystery and break down for you, the audience, of what the facts are versus the lies around the star that have been plaguing her for over six decades. We have some of the top Maryland experts with me on the panel. Gary Vitaco Robles, icon, lifetimes in films of Marilyn Monroe, and April Via Via, now Chambers, Marilyn Monroe, A Day in the Life, and Donald McGovern, Murder Orthodoxies, a non-conspiracy view of Marilyn Monroe's death. Each week, we will break down for you what is fact, what is probable theory, and what is outlandish rumor. The Kennedy brothers, both John and Bobby, get intertwined with Marilyn Monroe in almost every story told about the star. In this episode, the special panel that includes Gary Vitaco Robles and Leslie Kasperowitz, who was the past president of Immortal Marilyn, one of the largest Marilyn Monroe fan clubs, and has about 25 years experience in research and studying the star, will break down the facts of what we know to be true about the relationship between Marilyn Monroe and John F. Kennedy. And then the panel experts will break down the facts around Attorney General Bobby Kennedy and the truth between he and Marilyn. In addition, we have law enforcement officials who will share some of the realities of presidents and their off-the-record meetings that the public may never know about. So let's begin with John F. Kennedy. Let's break out the Kennedy boys, okay? Because each of them in their own right have different uh, reasons for being part of this story. So if we look at JFK and Gary, I'll start with you. The documented cases of JFK and Marilyn and their relationship, how did it start? Well, you know, they both attended a ball in New York with their respective spouses at the time in 1957, so nothing really significant there. But their first place together shortly before Marilyn's death in November of 1961, when there was a luncheon at the Lawford estate, and Marilyn had just completed the Douglas Kirkland shoot. And that is their first uh, official meeting that we can pinpoint. And um, it's documented in the official uh, presidential schedule. And then we can probably place Marilyn in New York in uh, early 1961 when she's photographed with Carl Sandburg. And Kennedy was there to accept an award uh, from the Football Foundation. So uh, it is believed that Marilyn was asked to attend a fundraiser at the home of Fifi Feld, the widow of John R. Feld from Lehman Brothers. So there are some eyewitnesses that she was there at the Feld home. And then most significant is the third meeting in Palm Springs. Kennedy was at the University of California at Berkeley and Vandenberg Air Force Base. And he did an overnight at Bing Crosby's estate. And there's multiple witnesses that Marilyn was there. In fact, she went to her psychiatrist's home earlier in the day because her plumbing had been turned off for renovations on her home. So she prepared actually at the psychiatrist's home, then joined the president. Marilyn's closest confidant was probably Ralph Roberts, her masseur. And he remembers Marilyn putting a man on the phone to talk about the solace muscle because Marilyn was an expert of anatomy 
and of course Roberts was a masseur, and the gentleman who was put on the phone had a Bostonian accent, so Ralph Roberts took that to be the president, and then later Marilyn disclosed that to him. Of course, we've got their fourth connection at the JFK Gala in New York, and Kennedy was not accompanied by his wife, but Marilyn was accompanied by her father-in-law, her former father-in-law, Isidore Miller, and so they're photographed together. The famous picture of JFK and Robert and Marilyn is actually cropped, and um, (laughs) Miller is in that photograph, but he's always cropped from it. So that's where we can place them. So, Leslie, what do you have to add to what Gary just said? Uh, well, that's, he's covered that pretty well. Um, but I would, I would like to add that there are multiple stories that Marilyn left that party that night, uh, with, went back with JFK and spent the evening with him after the party. And that's absolutely not true because she did return to her New York apartment and was stayed by Miller's side the entire evening, was very, uh, doting on him. She absolutely adored her father-in-law. And there's, there's absolutely no evidence that she was at any time alone with him on any occasion other than in Palm Springs. So when you start to expand into saying, oh, well, she saw him that night. Yes, she saw him, but that doesn't place them alone together, and that doesn't create an affair. And we have Marilyn's limousine Hmm. record that show that she went back to Brooklyn to drop off her father-in-law and returned home. And James Haspiel, probably her biggest fan in New York, is eyewitness to her arriving home very early in, in the morning. So the only one then that we can actually have some speculation about is the Bing Crosby Palm Springs that we actually have documented. You know, one of the things that I want to put out there is these are the facts. And so I think when we look at what the facts are, right, it doesn't put them together many, many times, right, except for that one time that you could say overnight. And that's a fact. Okay, that's what we know. But the thing that we all have to think about, and we'll have Daryl Connerton at the end of this show, He worked during the Kennedy administration from 59 to 62. And one of the things he's going to come on and say on the record, this is not something that is is unusual, but every president, including JFK, has off-the-record meetings. Secret Service set them up, and we will never know about them. So that's a fact. Is it relating to Marilyn Monroe? We will never know. But the thing is, is what we do know is this is what we know as fact. Probable theory? That could be a probable theory. It certainly can't be completely ruled out as an outlandish rumor because every president, including JFK, had unauthorized Secret Service meetings that were never, never on the record. So with that said, do you guys believe that there is any validity to the fact that the president and Marilyn had an affair? Leslie, I'll start with you. I think that affair implies that there was some kind of deep emotional involvement, and certainly a lot of the stories that have come out of those few little bits of facts that we have have leaned towards Marilyn having been uh, allegedly in love with JFK, believing that she was going to be the first lady, and that is just utter nonsense. There's no evidence of it. The way she spoke to her friends uh, about Kennedy gave no indication that she felt that way about him. She admired him. She admired his political stance, and I believe that there was a, a brief, intimate encounter, um, but I don't believe that it could be called an affair, no. Got it. And I think that's an important thing because that's a really big rumor that is out there. 
I mean, that's a really big one that she was calling Jackie in the White House. And, you know, so, so and there's just, absolutely no evidence of that. Her phone records don't indicate that she made any such phone calls. What we have of her phone records don't show any such phone calls. And it's out of character for Marilyn. It's absolutely out of character for her. She was not that kind of person at all. She was so very private. And, I, you know, we're talking about a woman in her mid-30s who had been through two marriages. We're not talking about a young girl with fantasies of being the first lady. We're talking about an intelligent woman who simply knew better. Uh, you know, even if she had had some involvement with JFK, to, to extrapolate from that that she was in love with him and was uh, calling Jackie and engaging in this absurd behavior, it, it doesn't make sense at all from what we know of Marilyn. Really? See, to me, I think this is an important one because you hear this over and over and over again about how she was calling the White House and calling Jackie and, you know, telling everybody that she was going to be the first lady and that, you know, they were going to get a divorce. Gary, what do you have to add to that? Well, I would have to say, again, a lot of the death theories are based upon two things, that Robert Kennedy or his protectors assassinated her to silence her from disclosing this alleged affair, which we have no evidence of in terms of Robert Kennedy. And the other one is that organized crime assassinated her in order to implicate Kennedy um, and destroy his political career. But like Leslie said, Marilyn was neither spiteful nor vindictive. She would not have retaliated against this family. She spoke well of her husband's after her divorces, and she had spent the last summer of her life trying to restore her professional reputation after being terminated from Fox. So, you know, to think that she would call a press conference to disclose these things, a public relations firm would not have advised they had her fiduciary interests at heart. She would have committed career suicide had she announced these things. Let's move to, if we can, Gary, to Bobby Kennedy, because you just brought him up, right? What is the relationship with Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe? Because that one is probably the most controversial. Well, we know when they met. They met on February 1st of 62. And we know this by letters that Marilyn wrote to her former father-in-law and her former stepson. I could quote from it. He seems rather mature and brilliant for his 36 years. But what I liked about him best besides his civil rights program is that he's got such a wonderful sense of humor. And Marilyn very carefully prepared for her meeting with him and consulted with Daniel Greenson and other folks so that you know, she, was, she was very good at, at preparing for conversation. And uh, we know that at the party, the Lawfords were playing Chubby Checker's song, Let's Twist Again. And you know, in the old days, you'd put a record on the spindle and you could have it on repeat and the needle would drop back on the plate and keep playing the song. So uh, Marilyn and Robert Kennedy danced the twist. We know this from Gloria Romanoff whose husband owned a restaurant in the L.A. area. And they were quite a sensation, and people kind of gathered around them and watched them dance. And then afterwards, Robert Kennedy brought Marilyn to the phone and made a phone call to his infirm father, and she spoke to the elder Kennedy for a period of time. And then there's this very famous note that Gene Kennedy Smith writes to Marilyn, which has been published, that people have used as some kind of a piece of evidence to say that there was an affair and that the family endorsed it. But indeed, they were referencing that dance spectacle and the note. And I could read that telegram to you. Mother asked to write, and thank you for your sweet note to Daddy. He really enjoyed it, and you were very cute to send it. Understand that you and Bobby are the new item, exclamation point. We all think you should come with him when he comes back east. Again, thanks for the note. Love, Gene Smith. So there was this affinity between the Kennedys and Marilyn. She 
certainly helped the fundraiser, the gala at Madison Square Garden. We also know that Ethel Kennedy attended that with Robert, and they invited Marilyn to their home in Hickory Hill in June of 1962 for a party in honor of the Lawfords. And Marilyn uh, sent a telegram to them with her regrets that she wasn't attending. And then there was a final meeting when Robert Kennedy was addressing the National Insurance Association in Los Angeles. And Marilyn's housekeeper reports that he came to the home in a convertible limousine and uh, visited the home that Marilyn was renovating. She continued to call him at the Justice Department, but there's another theory about what that was all about. Hold that thought for just a moment. Leslie, do you have any input of what Gary's saying? Because he's saying some really good stuff here. Well, yeah, and I mean, he, he covers it so well, and, and his book is so wonderful that I, I used it as reference to prepare. Um, but I wanted to add that the Lawford Party, um, a really important note about that party is there are some stories that she left the Lawford Party with RFK or that he drove her home because she was drunk. And there is, in fact, a limo receipt that proves that she was driven home by her limo driver um, and not with RFK. Um, so he did not spend the evening with her after that party. Um, and the note to Gene Smith doesn't indicate anything in that way. It was obviously just a joke, but unfortunately it's been taken uh, way beyond a joke. Um, and then also that many of Marilyn's um, intimate friends, she told them flat out that there was nothing between her and Robert Kennedy. Uh, she told Ralph Roberts it wasn't true. He's not my type. Um, Sidney Skolsky also said the same thing, that uh, there was no affair between them. So really what I think there was there was there was a friendship, and she liked him a lot, um, and he was a very kind, open-hearted person, and I think that he talked to her when she needed someone to talk to, but there's no indication that it was anything more than that. And Gary, continue on that point. I just wanted to break it up because yes. there's some good stuff here. Good points that Leslie has. Angie Novello was um, Robert Kennedy's personal secretary, and she did take calls from Marilyn, said that, that Robert Kennedy was helpful to most of the folks who called him when they reached out for support, including Judy Garland, but there were never any rumors of an affair with Judy Garland. But the phone calls that Marilyn made to the Justice Department in early July, I think these were related to her trying to come back to Fox to finish the film. And Kennedy had a special connection that I think Marilyn believed could help her, and he was maybe willing to help her, in that there was a connection to Judge Samuel Rosenman. He was a speechwriter for FDR, and he was a superior court justice in New York, but he was also Fox's chairman of the board of directors, and the studio had financial offices in New York. So it seems like uh, Marilyn and Kennedy were hoping to leverage some control over Judge Rosenman to support Fox reinstating Marilyn on the, on the film. I just want to say that this, for me, brings up more questions, but yet it starts to bring light to the facts versus so much misinformation that is out there. What is real? What isn't real? And I have certainly been thinking about, wow, what I thought might have been true, is it really? One last sentence from both of you that can just sum up the connection between the Kennedys and Marilyn. Leslie? I would say that it was at best, uh, you know, a casual friendship with RFK um, and then with JFK, possibly a, a one night event. And that's really about it. All right, Gary. I would have to agree with Leslie 100 percent. 
And I could also imagine that in the climate of Los Angeles and Washington in the 1960s, people who just saw these charismatic, attractive, intelligent people in a room together, I'm sure their minds wandered and they (laughs) fantasized about how wonderful it would be if there was really more there. You know, they were icons, and I can see where rumors would swell, but the truth is that um, they were all friends, and most likely there was perhaps a probable tryst between the president and Marilyn on one night. All right, Robert Kennedy, I would say improbable. So with that said, we're going to switch gears and we're going to bring two more gentlemen into the mix. The first man worked as what we now know as the CIA during the Kennedy administration. His name is Daryl Connerton, and he has a lot of experience in high-level protection of presidents and government officials. The other gentleman has worked in law enforcement at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, as well as the Transportation Security Administration and the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, and he has a background in mob and law enforcement. Both men can bring some perspective to this episode. His name is Ricky Jones. First, though, let's go back to 1962. And Daryl, let us know what it was like from a historical perspective with the Kennedys in power. Well, they were very powerful. They were very instrumental in making some uh, changes associated with what the Democratic Party's uh, platform was. And uh, once that Bobby Kennedy was appointed to the attorney general's position, which oversees basically the uh, Secret Service and things of that nature. He basically had controls of what information would be able to get out and what wouldn't. It was an interesting time. I would imagine it's an interesting time. Uh, and, and in regards to, you know, we talk about the facts of how we know that Marilyn and JFK, let's just say, and even Bobby Kennedy to some degree, but JFK specifically, the fact of public record. But tell us a little bit about the Secret Service and the not just the, the Kennedy administration, but in terms of presidents. There are these off-the-record meetings that every president has. Tell us a little bit about that as it relates to the Kennedys. Well, as it related to Kennedy, uh, everyone uh, was aware that he had a wandering uh, eye and that he was a very powerful man as the president. And the Secret Service's position and job was to make sure that he was not exposed to the press in a bad way. And they would clean up any type of a problem that arose out of anything that he might be doing when he was out. And do we know anything um, that he was doing that he shouldn't have been doing (laughs) that you could tell us about? Well, uh, yes, he would have, (laughs) uh, he would have um, meetings that were not documented with various people. Uh, Frank, Frank Sinatra was one, um, Joy Bishop, when they had the rat pack, uh, he met with them at different locations, private uh, nightclubs, where he would be able to mingle with these folks. And everyone knows what Frank Sinatra's association was with organized crime. And it's something that uh, JFK wanted to be involved in those things because it gave him the relief from the pressure of being the president. And when he met Marilyn, uh, he had a fancy for her. And we know that there were some meetings that uh, 
they had that were not recorded, and we can only assume what took place during those meetings. So what you're saying is that in terms of your time period that you were there, you knew that there were some off-the-record meetings, not just the ones that we know about in terms of the public, specific public. uh, Okay. So that's, to me, I mean, that's pretty probable. I don't think that that's something that any person that's listening to this radio show would say, oh, well, you know, that would never happen. I think that's pretty probable. So we have this fact and we have probability in regards to, because we don't have the specific records, because they're off the record, of President Kennedy and Maryland getting together. But you certainly, to me, seems uh, pretty logical that if they had that one night uh, tryst and and everybody seems to uh, kind of agree that that could have happened, they could have had an off-the-record Secret Service meeting that none of us are ever going to know about. Uh, So back in that time with Bobby Kennedy, what, if anything, do you know about uh, his relationship with Marilyn? Was there any speculation between Marilyn and Bobby Kennedy? I believe that there was, uh, and I don't have firsthand knowledge of this, Uh, it's things that I've uh, heard during my tenure, but uh, that... It was one of those things that uh, there was a one night uh, that he spent some time with Marilyn, and uh, people rumored that it was uh, it was an encounter that had um, sexual type of um, innuendos to it. My feeling is, is that whether it happened or didn't happen, his primary job was to make sure that his brother, the president, was protected from any information that would get out uh, about any of the affairs. And I believe that there were affairs. There's not documented proof of it, but we do know that they had meetings during times when uh, no one was aware of them having those meetings, and it was arranged by uh, Secret Service people. And now are you talking Bobby or are you talking JFK? JFK. JFK, yeah. So Bobby, being more of the cleanup guy, might have been involved in those. But, you know, again, we're back to uh, Bobby being the cleanup guy, not necessarily the one that was having the affair with Marilyn. Um, Ricky, do you want to chime in at all on this? Is there anything that you want to point out? Yeah, the thing I have to say is you look at Bobby Kennedy's character. I personally think he was wonderful at his job, and he had a very difficult job when you're not just in a position, but it's your brother that's president and you're appointed to the position of the highest ranking uh, legal position in America. And I think there was a lot of cleanup and a lot of advice going back and forth between the brothers. And at times he had to step in as attorney general. And I think that took time. And I think there was meetings that took place. You know, know, again, I, I was not there. I don't know. But I have to speak on what I know of Bobby Kennedy's character, of what has been written about him from people that had firsthand knowledge, things that he has written, speeches that he has given, and just the things about his character that are public knowledge. And I think with him, it was just he was of great character, and he loved and adored his brother. And they had a plan uh, to help America the best they could at the time. And I think his brother's activity got him involved in many things. And at the time, you look at the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, Bobby Kennedy never left his brother's side. He was there to advise him, to strengthen him, to encourage him. 
And yeah. I believe that was his character in all of this. I, I don't think, uh, and I, especially Mr. Connerton, who was around back then, uh, would speak highly of uh, Bobby Kennedy's character as well. Okay. This uh, topic, as we all know, still needs to be explored. So I want to thank you, Daryl Connerton. What an honor and privilege to have you on the show today and sharing a little insight, especially for you being back in that day of the Kennedy administration. And of course, I can't do this without you, Ricky Jones. So thank you so much for being on the show. Okay, there you have it. Mr. Daryl Connerton, XCIA, and Ricky Jones, thank you so much for giving us some insight into the Kennedys from a law and government's perspective. I'd like to thank Gary Vitaco Robles, who is a panel regular, as well as special guest panelists, Leslie Kasperowitz, the past president of Immortal Maryland, one of the largest fan clubs of Marilyn Monroe, and what we know to be true and what is documented. Most all of the Maryland experts believe that Marilyn Monroe and JFK had at least one tryst in Palm Springs back in March of 1962 at Bing Crosby's home. If they had more, they were certainly off the record. I also want to state that it is a total outlandish rumor that Marilyn had a fantasy of marrying JFK. There's absolutely no proof about that. She was highly intelligent and was actually savvy about these things. Also, it's only hearsay that Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn were having an affair or even being alone with one another. However, next week, the full panel will be back breaking down for us once again, Mark Shaw's book, Collateral Damage, to see if there's proof of an affair with Bobby Kennedy. And we will share with you what is fact, what is probable theory, and what is outlandish rumor? I'm Nina Bosky for Behind the Icon Special Investigation Series. The truth will be known.